Welcome back to Trekology. Thank you so much for joining us. If it is your first time, if it is your 10th time. Oh, is this our 10th episode? It's our 10th episode. Come on. Well, if it's your first or your 10th time, I am Jeff, and with me always is Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good, and we have a special guest, and it is our friend, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you here so i got to tease greg on our first episode about well many things do i tease you every week greg it's an every week kind of thing yeah to be honest though we all tease you greg yeah that's fair he deserves (laughs) deserves these are my friends there you go there you go So, so i said that the first thing my wife told me about you was he looks just like Sean White, the snowboarder, <laughs> which I have to say, your hair has grown out. Yeah, it's growing back. More... I'm getting it back. It's true. I don't know if he's grown it back. No, uh, you know, I write to him, yeah. but he doesn't, he rarely writes okay. back. Okay. So, Robert, do you remember your first encounter with, it probably would have been with Greg and my wife, Judy, right? Actually, I met him alone. We, we were, I was with another parent, and I think you came over and you started speaking Spanish. I had no idea what was going yeah. on. Okay. <laughs> and Robert's son is the third the third member of our son's group we have you know jeff's son my son and robert's son all at the same age and they've been thick as thieves for the last two years right my son and jeff's son met when they were about one and a half probably now greg especially when we had his friend alan on we found out that greg was actually a star wars fan that converted now how do you find yourself in the Star Trek universe? Do you? Uh, I do. Okay. Okay. I've always been a fan of Star Trek. It's it's such a part of pop culture. You can't escape it, you know. So I've always been a fan. When I was a kid, I watched a lot of episodes. Some, like the episode I watched recently, would have just gone over my head as a kid. But there's a lot of other episodes I, I watched. I remember just a lot of the dealings with morality and just just issues that it was just beyond just aliens and and sci-fi you know spaceships and stuff so i always enjoyed it but i never really had uh any nerdy friends so (laughs) and now you do now Now, was it next generation mostly that you were watching yes yeah and do you remember any episodes that stood out to you from your your childhood no i really don't I, I do remember watching a few of the really old ones. Oh yeah, okay. So so when like when the ship, sh- like you know when when they would get hit, yeah. but, you know, and, and everybody flails yeah, about. <laughs> I would get a kick out of that. So I, I do remember a few of those episodes because they were a little more like campy and theatrical sure. in the fights. Uh, so as a kid, I really enjoyed those. So then when when Next Generation, when I would see it. Um, it was enough to get me peaked to watch it, but I wasn't at the point where someone could explain some of the nuances. So I wasn't as big a fan, but I've always been a huge sci-fi fan in general. Okay. That was part of the premise for this episode is what happened was last week, Greg and Robert watched the Next Generation episode Measure of a Man, which if you're familiar with that second season, it's the one where Commander Maddox wants to have Data disassembled so he can study him, and they end up doing this like trial thing to try and figure out is this okay and all of that sort of stuff what we thought would be really cool would be for the three of us to discuss those issues that are brought up by that episode especially because robert as a sci-fi fan who is not as familiar with star trek is coming at it with fresh eyes whereas greg and i i'm assuming you'd seen that episode many oh times, yeah right? it's one of the best yeah 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 So, that said, the first thing that we have kind of talked about that needs to be said, and it's a tough one, is that we have to be okay with the conclusion that Data is not a person. And I know as a Star Trek fan, that just, even saying it gives me shivers, but 
Otherwise, we have no discussion here. We have to separate <laughs> out the emotional connection we have to this character, to the concepts that we are dealing with as far as artificial intelligence and robotics and all of that. And we'll get into all of that. But there is an interesting article on Ricochet that's called Resolved, Lieutenant Commander Data is Not a Person. So as, as they have that stance and they are unabashedly, you know, in that camp, I suppose. And you were saying earlier that it was difficult to find any articles on the side that Data was, is a person. Right, right. So. Yeah, which is surprising. I mean, maybe it's just because we all assume. Because that's right. the conclusion that the show draws. After Measure of a Man, there's several other episodes that kind of get into the same concept. Right. Like in The Offspring, mm -hmm. where he, he creates a daughter, essentially. The question is, does he have the right to this android? Or is it the property? I mean, it's the exact same argument all over again. But what I wanted to start off with, before we get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of the episode itself, I'd like to start talking about artificial intelligence, because I think that's mm -hmm. where this conversation starts. And the Oxford Dictionary defines... <laughs> Greg really didn't want me to say the Oxford Dictionary. But again, <laughs> that's what gives it the credibility. This isn't just <laughs> Google says, or the Yahoo, or me says. Like, no, the Oxford Dictionary. This is the official definition that I found on Google. The theory and development, <laughs> definition of artificial intelligence, the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks that normally require human intelligence, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making, and translation between languages. So that defines really what data does. He, he does the, the tasks that normally require human intelligence, right? I mean, that's his purpose on the ship is to be, to act as human as possible, right? Right. But, but that's the other part, though, is as I'm looking at this definition, visual perception. Isn't that my smartphone that recognizes my face? Mm -hmm. Speech recognition? Again, like, my smartphone fits most of these categories. Translation between languages? Google does that for me. Decision-making. Decision-making. Decision I don't know. My, does my, phone, my smartphone do that? <laughs> my I phone so. tells me what, like, which road to take when right. I, you know, when there's right. traffic. I mean, and I let it do that for me. Yeah. My, my phone is literally called an Android. That's a good point, right? Right? <laughs> this definition of artificial intelligence does feel very simple or at least broad. Where mm. again, I would put Google, the algorithm of Google is, I think, by the definition, artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah, for oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. But I think in pop culture, artificial intelligence gets a little, ooh, like, I don't yeah. know. If you start telling your telling people your phone has artificial intelligence i think people start freaking out it's it's one of those phrases uh just one of those cheap pop phrases people just use have no idea what it means right yeah it's a science fiction standby uh, we have it in in star trek but we also have it in star wars yeah you know we have it in the foundation series by azek Isimov. and more than that we yeah. have it in the um the irobot series yeah. that it's a very popular idea the science fiction in science fiction to have robots be able to at least be like a simulcron of human intelligence right right and i think that's that's the challenge with the phrase artificial intelligence is that i think we associate artificial intelligence with like sentience yeah. or being alive whereas that definition is not the same if there's one thing you notice that all these uh all these tropes have it in, in common with it when it comes to whether it's artificial intelligence or, or um, sentience or, or robots or technology. There's always this fear of the robots mm. taking control or right? attacking us or doing something, right? Everything, even Terminator, you know, mm -hmm. Skynet, etc. Everything is all about how at some point the robots are going to gain sentience and attack us. And it's kind of like a projection of human fears, you know? Think about it. USA versus Russia, mm. USA versus China. I don't know. We, we always weaponize technology. Yeah. Rockets, instead of just going to the moon, you know, we can kill anyone in 10 minutes from anywhere on Earth. Mm. Drones, let's attach a gun to them. Like, it's like, we weaponize everything. Mm. 
So there's this fear we have, and it's because of projection of how of human nature. Yeah. I don't know. Well, because I would take it even a step further, or maybe add to that and say the fear of automation in general is that how many jobs have been quote-unquote lost because it's been replaced by a machine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the Ford assembly line used to be all humans putting stuff together, and it's all been replaced by robots. And I think there is, there has been. And I don't, I don't know if that's as much of a pressing fear today as being, I'm going to, my job's going to be replaced by a drone as much as it was maybe in the 60s, 70s, some, somewhere back in there. I feel like there was that fear of technology too. Yeah. It doesn't seem like people in, in the Federation have any fear of being replaced totally. by robots. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I ask a question? Yes. Is the Federation like the Enterprise? What do you mean? From what I remember, there's always been uh, Riker, Picard, uh, uh Everyone I've ever seen, they've always been like a beacon of like, oh, okay. it's always been justice and they've always like done things that, that seem like a little like uh, progressive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is the rest of the Federation like that? That's what I'm going yep. well, Okay. So, so then we're assuming that humanity's like that. I, I, I'd like to refer you back to episode three. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> On new track versus old track. Oh, to really- <laughs> oh, I see where you're going. Yep. I think we're. In measure of a man, we can safely say that the Federation does hold up the ideals that you see on the Enterprise. Yeah. That they they are working to uphold those ideas. I think in the newer series of Star Trek, it's more shady. There's more question about what they're... one might say. Right. And I think we see that in Picard. We have a lot of discussion about this very idea. That's true. Where are the twins human? Like, how human are they? Right. It's not surprising that Maddox himself makes a reappearance in, in Picard. As a crazy bearded man. As a crazy bearded man. somehow changed his face into a different actor. But that's a different <laughs> story. That's a different story. I, I think Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, did exactly see that. Where it was humankind is personified by this crew. And their, their, their morals, their all that sort of stuff like that. I look at this episode, you guys, you know, I watched the Greg, and I'm just, internally, I'm laughing, and I'm like, like, come on, like, he's a commodity. And for me, we're watching that, and we have the same morality, and we say, yeah, he's, he's a person, right? You know, think about capitalism. I think that's where we're uh, Star Wars. Am I allowed to say that word? On this? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where, where Star Wars is a little more realistic in, in how corporate the... the oh, man. And how corporate the forces are when there's like 10 million droids or whatever that look the same. That's how it would be. They would find mm-hmm. one formula, they would repeat it, they, they, and they would just send it to, to mm-hmm. wave after wave to kill. And they wouldn't... That was Maddox's idea in the episode, in the right? Episode, that he wanted to so disassemble data, right. figure out how, Make what makes it. Yeah, but, but they would use it for death and destruction and mm-hmm. not for good. Before we fully dive into the episode, I did want to talk about different kinds of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. that I see in other media. Now, you mentioned Star Wars, which Star Wars, oh, and we've talked about this, is that I don't think they put enough thought into what their droids are. Because you're right, you have the droids, the battle droids in the prequels, which are basically automatons. But are they? I mean, in the later, like, cartoons, they all develop personalities, and they're all like, Roger, Roger, and they, they're like, wisecracking. And and then you've got R2-D2 and C-3PO, which totally have personalities, but they're servants? So is this a slave race of robots? Star Wars, I don't think, wants us to ask those questions. So it's a little fuzzy. So that's why you mentioned before um, Isaac Asimov. And he was famous, like, uh, what would you say? The Foundation series, right? Yeah. And then iRobot, which I didn't know iRobot was actually based on a 1930s book that he liked. But then he oh, wrote a series of either. short stories. Yeah. But the fascinating thing about Asimov, and he loved robots, but he loved robots. So they were not sentient beings. Like, that was the three laws of robotics, right, which Asimov came up with, which apparently we've all agreed are true. I don't know. (laughs) The science fiction writer writes it up, and we're like, well, there you go. Those are the universal laws for robotics. And that's that what? A robot is not allowed to harm another human or cause something that could cause harm to a human. They must obey a human's orders, and they must protect their own existence 
without causing harm to, to other humans. Right, and human. that each one is dependent on the clause above it, too. Right, so exactly. It's the order of hierarchy, too, which makes those stories so good because each story in that in that series is a logic puzzle. Right. You know, it which is stuck a... In, yeah. yeah, like the one where he's stuck around that pit and he has to... He get because he's not allowed to let himself co- go to harm, so the robot just keeps circling the pit. The movie iRobot is maybe based on one of them, maybe, but it's about killer robots for the most part. Yeah. These robots that want to kill mankind and ah, which is not really Asimov's thing, but I think you're right. That trope does seem to come up a lot. So then the other one that I thought was interesting was Battlestar Galactica. Now, I don't know, Robert, if you know Battlestar Galactica. Very little. Okay. So at least in the new Battlestar, old Battlestar, kind of Star Wars-y, where they're like, don't ask questions, they're killer robots. But in the new one, they really evaluate that the Cylons were robots that were created by quote-unquote humans, whatever they call themselves, to work for them. And then eventually they rebelled and said, we don't want to do your work anymore. We're out of here. So they basically became a race of sentient robots that rebelled and went off. But yet they're seen as the bad guys, mostly because then they come back and kill everybody. Well, there's that. Right, 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 right. But the interesting thing was, isn't that's the future that Maddox is talking about, right? Right. Is that we'll create this race of datas that will become the Cylons, essentially. Of, of the Romulans and the Klingons. I've yeah, heard of the Klingons. Yeah, yeah. Of, of those two, who would be like, do you guys remember um, Aliens? Oh, okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Remember? Okay. do you remember the... The, the, uh, the corporation. The corporation. trying to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they're called. so that, the, the corporation, that's that's corporate America. That's corporate United, corporate right. world. Right. So who who in the Star Trek universe is, is corporate like that? In the sense of it, it's just... I mean, you kind of have the Ferengi. Ferengi. But they have no... <laughs> military aspiration they're 100 percent purely economic interest so so they're almost the opposite where war is involved they're like whoa we're out of here like we didn't like or we'll like profit off of it but the moment we're on the line we're out of here yeah corporate america <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and that's but it's the thing yeah is that i think roddenberry didn't like like see that as part of the future and so that's why we don't get much of that in a lot of the shows like like greg said later on you definitely do which is uh, from what i hear and i didn't watch caprica which is the battlestar galactica prequel mm-hmm. but apparently that's what that's all about about creating the cylons making them work for us i'm sure like the prophet there's a whole spiritual element to it but. right i was just wondering why there wasn't already a race of datas in the star trek universe i guess that's the difference between star trek and other things i've seen because, for example, in Alien, you had uh, the, the the android uh-huh. that went uh, went rogue in the first one, and she had entrusted afterwards, even though it ended up saving her little slice in half. Right. Still remember right. that as a kid. So yeah, <laughs> biopic and stupid because it's not reality. He would have been slightly. It would have been having. They would have asked for permission. Is what would have happened. I don't, do you think that's really true? If what? Or are you currently playing The Last of Us? Oh, I already played the both. I already beat both. You know The Last of Us? Heck yeah. Same thing. Right? Yeah. Uh, you you are you familiar with this one? So it's a zombie video game. You're gonna tell? Yeah. Basically zombies, right? Zombies bite people. People turn into zombies. They and they mutate and stuff, right? As soon as you get bit, you're screwed, just like in every other thing. And um, this girl got bit, but she didn't turn or die. The story is you're, you're taking her so they can kill her and turn her into a serum. Okay. To to yeah end it right. But but this guy that's taking her on a cross country trip, he lost his daughter. In the end, he doesn't let her get killed to make a serum. The, the choice is essentially let all of humanity die or let this child die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you choose to basically save the child. I think most people would. Yeah. You know? I would. Right. Save, save what? Save the child or yeah. save humanity? I think they'd save the child. And replace it with corporate America. Save the child or a million dollars. I think they'd still save the child. What uh, would you do? Okay, what if it was you that had to die? for the serum would you sacrifice yourself well a little bit different question because now it's self-sacrifice and now i get to be the hero but the hero is the one that saves the person or sacrifices themselves but would i sacrifice myself to give to for a million dollars 
Now, now we're into Squid Game. You, you know what? I, I haven't watched Squid Game, so don't ruin it. Oh, okay, I'm just that's the premise. Right? You know what I would do? I would have let them. If the, if 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 there was proof somehow that there would have been a uh, a cure, right? Yeah. So let's say that the girl. So the girl's a child. So she only has so much faculty and self awareness and whatever. Sure. But I'm assuming it's against her will. So you're going to strap someone down who does not want to do this, and you're going to force them to do this. How much, like, at what point are you going to be like, I can't do this. Imagine it's your child. And that's part of the, the challenge in the episode, right? Is that Data doesn't want to do it. Data says, I refuse, I don't want to. And they say, you do not have the right to want. Yeah. And that's the main issue, I would say, of the episode. Does he have the right to free will, to choose... And I, I don't know. I feel like we're especially like. Let's be honest. Like there, there are precious few things that maybe we care about as America. We seem to really care about free will right now. Right, that seems yeah. to be our big deal. I think that Picard makes that point. I, I I don't think his argument is the strongest argument out there, but I think the one point that really does stick is if we don't allow him the freedom to be able to choose whether he gets disassembled or not in, let's be honest, a pretty shifty kind of... Maddox doesn't seem to really know what he's doing. (laughs) It's true. I think that Picard's point that if we don't allow him the freedom of choice, then he's no better than a slave. For me, what I like about this episode, there's a bunch of zingers. There's a bunch of lines that kind of make you like go, oh. Some of them only have kind of passing connection. Like the one where, what is it, where Data's asking about, are Geordi's eyes superior to human eyes? Well, yes. Well, why don't you all gouge out your eyes and replace them with implants? And Picard has no answer. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, that's a good point. Not necessarily connected to where we're going right, right. Now. That's an artificial versus natural sort of a thing like that. And that's the, the point of the show is that Riker's prosecuting whatever is very compelling. And, and Picard is like, dang, man, I think I believe it. Because basically, if I, if I have it right, the three things that I put down that were like Riker's three points in the trial was one that Data is... I put unnatural, not unnat like unnatural. There is nothing in nature on any planet that has super strength, super intelligence, super like all of those things. And even Picard objects where he's like, seriously, things are strong, like whatever, but that's his first right. argument, right? So the second one though, Picard immediately refutes all three of these to some extent, but the second one is that he is made by a human being. Uh, Dr. Soong constructed him. He is a machine that was constructed by a man. Therefore, he is not... Mm -hmm. Whatever. They don't complete that sentence. And then the third one was was that he is like deactivatable or detachable or just like you know <laughs> which oh my gosh if the guy comes up to you and says like i'm gonna detach the client's hand <laughs> objection it's like i'm gonna go up and stab the defendant to see that they're not gonna die it's like you don't do that in a trial but, but they knew his hand just comes off though. yeah but you just heal when someone stabs you doesn't mean you do it in the court <laughs> oh. i imagine that data goes around like shaking people's hand and then like <laughs> slides it away <laughs> but then it's like the one iron man in arrested development <sighs> right right, right. The buster the buster blues but but then even worse, then he comes up, sneaks his hand behind him, and flips his off switch. It's like, again, same thing. Imagine you come up and you're like, and to further prove my case, and then he has a cloth of chloroform and just goes, he's asleep. It's like, what? You don't. But it's very compelling. It was very dramatic. And, you know, I get that. But I don't know. Like, are those three arguments valid? Do they have any weight? Was that the Supreme Court of... No, it was just <laughs> it was just a lady on a space station the, that well, they happened to be she at. She was like Judge Advocate General, or at least yeah. the representative of the... So she is 
Because it's essentially the military. Yeah. It's like a version of the military. So she gets to choose. Data's fate was in her hands. Mm-hmm. Well, I was like, this, this, this is a very uncomfortable question because the, the day is coming where we, we invent technology that can talk back to us like Data can, right? Right. So or Siri right. or Alexa. Yeah. When our car starts talking to us, then do we start, you know, start changing the oil quicker? And, and taking care of the, the tires better and things like that. Our car is stronger or at least faster than we are. Not natural. Well, not natural, right? It's It can be disassembled. And what was the other one? And it was made, made by, by a man person. or created by a... a but I think that Picard's right in the first two. I think he's right. Yeah. That I, I can imagine like a Gorn, especially in the original series, yeah. bending Vulcans. the metal bar. Vulcans, Vulcans are three times as strong. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then being made by a person... I think that we can go into a whole other argument here about how people are like flesh machines run by chemicals, you know? So I think that's a really good point, especially about the computer of the Enterprise, which has shown is at least somewhat sentient. Right. There's a episode of Short Track where the computer of the Enterprise, and this is thousands of years later, finds a, a ship where a man has been adrift for a long time. And the computer basically falls in love with the man uh, on this on this drifting ship. And I think there's a good argument that the computer of the ship is also sentient and maybe does deserve the same respect as as Data. We've danced around the word sentience, and I think that's that's a sticky one. Which again wasn't Riker's argument. No, it sentience wasn't. didn't really come up. I think partially because they didn't have a solid definition it's hard to define yeah i i looked it up earlier today Good. just in preparation for our argument okay and wikipedia said no we can look it up on ox uh, on oxford you, if you, you want but <laughs> wikipedia says that it, it's the capacity to experience feelings and sensations my wife pointed out that that would apply to our rabbits. Right. Or dogs or uh, other creatures right. that seem to express emotion. Yeah. But not so far, not to my smartphone. The thing that bo- bugged me was they kept using the phrase human. He's not human. He's not human. He's not human. It's like, well, the rest of the galaxy's not human either. Like, I don't know why you're using that as the universal standard. Because if your qualification is emotions, so you're saying Vulcans have lost their sentience by purging themselves of all emotions. Sort of. Because the Vulcans still have emotions. It's just that they're extremely emotionally constipated. (laughs) (laughs) That was Picard's argument. And I was trying to think, like, how do I phrase Picard's argument? For me, it was basically the substance of life you know he kind of went through why do you keep these metals well for sentimental reasons and so data is sentimental why do you hold on to this picture of tasha yar well she was special to me we were close intimate (laughs) (laughs) but did he tell you about the intimate thing oh so i was like why did you guys have to bring that back i mean it was like poignant but it was Let's, we didn't like watch forgotten. the episode. No, do not. <laughs> do not, my friend. But the other one was, yeah, the ramifications of this decision, which is... That's not a good argument. It's though. not a good argument for sentience. It's maybe a good argument in the case. It's a good argument to maybe not do it. Right. It doesn't really make his case. Well, First, it depends on what his case is. Because I think the case is, does Data have the right to refuse to be disassembled? I think that's the case. If Picard's argument is that the ramifications of this are negative, then all they're doing is still the Federation is making the decision for Data to not be disassembled, to not be copied because of the negative implications of that decision. It's not really Data's decision. It's really the Federation's decision to agree with him. Because I don't... Rather than the Federation deciding data cannot be replicated, I think their issue was more replicated against their will. So they're basically, they're basically, they're basically slaves. They have no free will, no faculty to decide whether or not anything. Mm -hmm. So he could be replicated with free will, 
But then those replicants can decide what they want to do with their... I think that's what they came up with. But again, we see that that decision gets back and forth later on in the show. Now, what is the history behind this? Because at some point, they do make more synths. So the synths in Picard, as I understand that, are not sentient. They don't seem sentient in that one scene where we see them. Right, or that was the rationale. Mm Mm-hmm. Noonien Singh's son, I guess, and Maddox and Murderer Girl, that they get become buddies. Spoiler. Oh, spoiler. I see nothing but dangers in replicating data because that's the USS Enterprise data with that morality and, you know, those influences and what, you know, what about the one that just decides to, I don't know, be a criminal or just... See, but then isn't that the same thing about letting us have children? Because my child could decide to be a criminal. At least for me, when I'm picturing replicating, and even Picard's argument is that he will no longer be unique, he will because Data is still been defined by his experiences. Mm -hmm. Now, if they duplicate everything in his brain and then just create, put it into another body, and now you've got two with the exact same things, at that moment, they will be identical. But then... At that exact moment, their experiences will be separate, and they will become individuals, I would say. But, but what if the computer started doing the same exact thing once they were replicated? Well, from one, from one perspective, I would say that they are not physically able to, because they're, I mean, technically, they're occupying different space. So, like, for example, you and I, even though we're sitting in the same space, are looking at this microphone from different perspectives. Well, what so if we're seeing different things. True, but what if it's an algorithm based on time, place, and other things? Right. We could still respond to it the same way, but we're seeing it from a different angle. So it would be, however, slightly different. I wouldn't think they would, you know, because they physically can't occupy the same space. That's true. So that's my thought, is that however minuscule difference they would be, feel like we need to be high to have this discussion. It does feel we're getting into that, that range there. I think What do you know about being high, Greg? <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> um So one of Picard's arguments here is the uniqueness of data. Yeah. Listener, long-time listeners of the podcast will know <laughs> that my wife is a is a bigger Star Trek fan than I am. But she brought up one of the one of the arguments was Data's uniqueness. But then we also have to think about Lore, who is also the same sort of android that Data is. Yep. And although he's different in personality, he's still the same essence, right? As data, so I think that that the the fact that they've gone down divergent paths makes a good argument for the uniqueness of data, but not for the very essence of data that he is not unique in his essence. I mean, it's not a assembly line, right? right but right. it is a like a almost yeah. exact copy. Yeah, although clearly something was different because lore was seen as a malfunction. But I do wonder, like, thinking about just individual human uniqueness, I would be willing to bet that if you made an exact copy of Data and shaved his head, he'd act differently. Based on how we act when when I get a haircut, I act a little bit differently. Hopefully not a lot, but you know. You act differently when you get... <laughs> don't you act a little bit differently? There's a little bit more... I like, don't get a lot of haircuts, obviously. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you I, got one. You got one, and... I, I I do feel a lot better with the fresh shave and yeah, haircut. Yeah, right. I do. Even you put on a different shirt. Yeah, you act a little bit differently. Maybe Can, not like it's not dramatically. You don't come out and you have like a deeper voice or anything. Maybe. maybe. I, I I must say though, who out there like you know artificial intelligence and I could see the need for it in certain capacities. I'm an IT guy in my in the real world and. Why? I could I could see use cases for a lot of things that artificial intelligence can help us. But at the same time, why are we worrying about making, first of all, androids? You know, if we're going to make them for a task, don't make them human-like. Why do they have to be human-like? Why do we have to talk to our washing machine? If we're going to make robots that can think, put them in a certain capacity, but don't make them human. Yeah. I think it's more, one, it's less trying and more worrying. Like you said, 
should we be apologizing to our smartphone when we drop it on the floor? Like, or is it is it going to come alive and start attacking us? Which does seem to be that fear with Terminator with all those other ones. Uh, but I think there's a second one. There's a part of science that's like, I wonder if we could. But that's where Sunga's coming from. Right. Sunga's yeah, did his career. He wanted to see if he could. Yeah. yeah. That that's how we got here. Yeah. For me, I, I feel like the ethical thing or question I keep coming back to is like how is this different than why do I want to have a child like what's my goal here what am I going to gain from having a child is that the reason that I reproduce or is it not that like is it I don't know is there a human need to create is there a human need to carry on biological imperative is that what it is like we're wired that way yeah we are you think so? Yes, we're, we're wired to continue our existence. So what about people that don't have children? Wired differently? Yeah, okay. But there's plenty of people who don't want yeah. children. And yeah. So let's 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 tackle, since we've, we've been dancing around sentience. So even before sentience, there's, there's still that thing of life. My guess is that we wouldn't discard a pig or a dog or a cat or any life form without any sort of thought of we might have a rationale like hey this you know it's me or the pig you know like or <laughs> i don't know where i'm imagining the scenario death duel or anything like which <laughs> i wouldn't kill them just for fun or just for no like just dismiss their their life their it's life you know yeah. it still is a thing and i think that's the challenge too computer less so we don't have a moral quandary about throwing our computer in the recycling bin or whatever, as opposed to, you know, putting our pet, you know, dog to sleep or something. So the Oxford Dictionary defines life as the condition that distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic matter, including capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. Oh, continual change preceding death growth biological aging? yeah preceding death continual change yeah. okay aging I, I mean okay repeat the, you could have just described like a hardware or software or like but it says inorganic matter so and that's the other challenge that i think as earthlings we define life by life that we have observed and as far as I'm aware, virtually all life that we conceive of is like carbon-based, has some form of like, I think respiration, and like we have certain definitions that we understand life, but does that really mean that there no other life by any other definition exists in the universe? Like energy-based life, or that's one thing A that I love. A crystalline entity. But have it- Right, that's one thing I loved about Tron, Two or technically like, Tron Legacy was so brilliant is because they were talking about isometric life forms, not living programs. This is a life form that is energy based. It's 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 life. Whereas these programs are not life; they're just mm -hmm. programs. They're AI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially. Okay, but okay, if it has to be organic matter. Aren't we already producing or like uh, synthetic or? I don't know the word for it. Um, I think synthetic would still be inorganic. Really? Yeah. Okay, then. So, well, by this definition, animals and plants. But, but okay. But aren't we able to already recreate things that fit those definitions? Uh, Even if it's synthetic. In, in, with, inor with, with inorganic matter? Or, or what, if, what if we created a bunch of organic matter? Like we were able to grow like the cells for a human, right? So sure. everything that was a Cloning. human body... Except the brain, and we put the we put the chip in there. Frankenstein. Yeah. What? At what point? What? Where do we draw the line? Like, what's yeah. the rules? That's what I'm saying. It's it's. We draw the line of Frankenstein. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. I think maybe they played with these four with data, because capacity for growth. Now, I don't think that necessarily means physical growth. That could mean emotional, mental, like whatever growth. So I guess data would have growth mm -hmm. he grows he develops as an individual reproduction i mean he built lol is that reproduction he builds another one 
Isn't that what That's it, tricky? Isn't that what you're doing when you have a kid? You're building another one. Yeah, but it's specific reproduction, right? Yeah, like your your chromosomes a, are mixing. And it's and your body. I don't know. That's a funny one. And again, that's why I think they played with it. Functional activity? I mean, maybe that's wait, performing wait, about, a but, function. But, then, but that goes back to what you're saying. How come the human way is the only, the only way to do it? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, across, that's uh, the other question. Across the universe, to, to, does every uh, entity do nine months just... I mean, not even on Earth. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. And that's why we have so many aphids. (laughs) Uh, Wait, why? Oh, okay. Aphids are cool. They're terrible, (laughs) but they are cool. So aphids are a... There's only a few kinds of animals that do this. They are all female. They give asexual birth to female clones of themselves. And they do this... Over and over. They just keep giving birth. But then there will be a couple times during the season where all the females will give birth to a male. And then this male, so it's still asexual birth, but this male will then, but they they use, I guess it's not asexual birth because they use some of the sperm that's left over from their last mating season. Goes and it creates a male so that he gets the the um, Y chromosome, and then they have this whole mating thing to mix up the genetics again, and then it goes back to asexual rep- reproduction for generations and generations and generations. Weird. It's so weird. That's yeah. why we have so many aphids that could not be done through sexual reproduction. Interesting. Because then another one that I'm thinking about is like bacteria. Now bacteria is considered life, but they do not reproduce per se they split right yeah so could one say that data split because he did use his in the offspring right he, he uses a piece of the electronic brain, brain whatever i don't know if he used a piece of it but he used a copy of it right? yeah to make his offspring so it's and kind in, of like a different form of and in picard the twins use a positronic neuron right that oh, yeah. that the daystrom institute <laughs> takes out i didn't get that it was science mumbo jumbo. Until it was. They could it move was the very plot along. Star Trek-y, I <laughs> but then, and then, continual change preceding death. That was another one that I think the article mentioned. It said that, like, because Data can't technically die, even though he did twice, I guess. Whatever that ghost of him in Picard was, <laughs> and the one in Nemesis, being able to transfer his consciousness to another body, therefore he is immortal, means. He is not. But then doesn't that mean Picard's not alive? Because that's what he did, right? Right. I don't know. Mortality being a definition of life is another weird one. Because we have, on Earth, isn't like, aren't lobsters functionally immortal? Something yeah. like that? What? There's some um, really, really old, uh, yeah, I was reading something about that the other day, too. Lobsters? Should we be eating them? <laughs> Because <laughs> they're not alive. <laughs> no, because they're immortal. <laughs> so biological immortality. They don't, they don't age. Sure, they can be killed by outside forces. Inevitably, as it grows older, a lobster will run into a deadly threat or disease. But that's like, you know, just... But it how, will never die But it won't age. die of old age before that. Lobsters produce an enzyme called telomerase that prevents DNA damage from happening when cells replicate, which is believed to be the cause of aging. With cells that can replicate without damage, lobsters stay forever young. Well, I guess if a lobster is considered alive, have we defined sentience? Is it just being able to experience senses and feelings? Well, because so remember the three qualifications that Maddox gave in the in the in the episode. He said the qualifications for being a person maybe. They kept using the word being a person. He said intelligence, self-awareness and consciousness. Those were his three. Which intelligence like that's such a weird like I don't know cuz it sounds like being smart. So stupid people don't qualify. That can't be what that Self-awareness? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Right. Well, there's that too. And 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 I guess that was what Picard asked him. It's like, so am I self-aware? And like, well, you are aware of your existence, I guess. Then that's when the one where we're separating between like, 
animals and sentient beings mm-hmm. like us. I would assume a dog, a cat, or whatever, to the best of our understanding, are not aware of their existence. No. They see a mirror and they, yeah, they're not. Right, right. And consciousness, I think, is similar. Because then there's the whole, like, I think, therefore, I am, right? So if you think or if you have some level of comprehension or reasoning, I suppose. Like self-acknowledgement that you are alive yeah that that would be i would assume that's what he means by self-awareness and because then but what about babies are babies not sentient (laughs) (laughs) i I don't think so (laughs) but i mean if if we're saying that like so humans gain sentience at like six months old hey uh I think it's it's something to discuss. Yeah, I I know that that that's, that's wow. That's, I I know that that really it's a taboo. <laughs> it can be a little taboo to discuss the the uh, sentience of babies because well, they're so cute. Okay, okay, but because um, again, this is, and this is a separate thing, which I still feel like the three arguments. There's the one, the morality of making anything do something against its will, especially mm-hmm. a race of anything. Uh, life is data alive and is data sentient. And I don't, I think they only landed on the first one in right. the episode. And those other two are not necessary for that first one. I still feel like if it was, you know, again, making something that, that has some level of independence, the ability to make a choice making it do something it doesn't want to do or it doesn't choose to do feels immoral to me to say nothing of sentience or life. So are we saying that he can still have a decision in his fate and not be alive? Like it's okay for him to have a decision in his fate? Yeah. I mean, from what I'm saying is as far as from the perspective of the writers and, you know, most people that agree with how the episode turned out, you're like, yeah, he's not alive, but he deserves to have his choice. Because at the same time, having a memory card and remembering things is not not life. So, I think the episode, while it was good, um, it was good because we got the outcome we wanted. But it didn't answer mm-hmm. anything. Right. Yeah. Really, right. Well, and in season two, you kind of don't want it to answer too much, I suppose. Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I don't either. But as far as, it, uh, it just there's just so many tangents. Right. Like, as far as yeah. what's right, what's wrong. Where do you, like I said, it, it just, I always go back to this, but what are the rules like yeah why yeah a lot of times we have the writers writing honestly like feelings into data you know when he's not supposed to have feelings Mm. you have it's not really like strictly coherent about how robotic is data Mm. how human is he and that's that's part of the the problem when you're discussing a fictional universe like this it's not it's not terribly coherent yeah. all the time. And even in this episode I think that we saw Data di- didn't want to be disassembled. Right. Like there right. was a certain amount of not trusting the competence of Maddox, you know, sure. Wh- to be fair, I wouldn't trust him either. <laughs> he really did not know what he yeah. was doing. But also there is a certain amount of feeling apprehension about it. So it, it right. seemed like. Yep. And he's not supposed to have feelings, right? I saw that as he was facing his mortality. And I'm like, he's a robot. Like, he's not really supposed to. Right. He's not supposed is to he? face his mortality. Because right. that was Maddox's issue, right? Where Data said, I don't. I choose not to do this. I refuse to do this. And he said, you can't do that. Which was weird because it was like, so basically you're lying? He's literally saying these words to you, and you're saying you don't have the ability to say that. See, I was thinking that what he was referring to was that that is not allowed to say that. It doesn't matter what he says, but because he's property. Yeah. Well, so then that's a difference. So then if, but then it's like, so you do have free will, but I am rejecting that. Yeah. Right. As opposed to you do not have free will, Mm -hmm. and that's where that contradiction of. The like, and even the, and I love that there was that little moment where, which oh, just Maddox just drives me so crazy in this episode, where he just like walks into Data's room and picks up a book of oh, that's terrible. And he's just like, don't people knock normally? And I'm like, thank 
you, and, wait, and how Data. many and how many times in the episode did he refer to him as an it or right? A, right. An and that was that was the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Until the very Until end, the very where he calls end, him a he. And then I guess he was like, oh, he's got a he's a good guy after all. No, he's a trash person. <laughs> and Data's the hero because he's still like you know keeps in contact with him and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because we see later in Data's day yep. that he still keeps in contact with Maddox. Right. Going back to what you were saying about um, free will. Does, if he has free will, right? Yeah. Okay. Do we have free will? Right. Is Data really, is he any different than us? In the sense of like, what he's going to say, it's already predestined to happen. Right. Or does he have free will? Yeah. And what about us? Are we really, do we really have free will? Right. Or is everything predestined as well? Yeah. Well, and I would go, maybe instead of predestined, is that, like you start off by saying this whole thing about like, <clears throat> are we just human machines? Because is Data just a collection of positronic circuits that he sees one input and he responds with this is what he's programmed to respond with do we just do the same thing yeah i've got these neurons that have been wired in a certain way so that if i see this i'm going to respond that way i have no choice in the matter now at least for me i don't know about you guys my experience of life though is not that like i feel like i do have moments where i choose do I want to do this or do I want to do this? And I choose one of those. Yeah. And yes, my history has maybe impacted that, but I still feel like I could choose the other one. And sometimes I wish I did choose the other one. Do robots have regret? Huh. Do we see data? No, just in general, in any sci-fi trope, I wonder. Right. Well, because again, and this is where it's important, robot versus android. Because a robot is Isaac Asimov, you know, that whole automaton, whatever. Android technically could be different. True. Quick question to you guys. If if data uh, looked like my iPad yeah. and didn't have arms and, you know, mouth and all that stuff, but was always with, with the Enterprise, like, floating around and giving them advice and saving the day by opening doors or whatever... Um, so it still serves a function, right. still a member of the team, still has a personality. Would you guys have a problem with data as with the screen and circuitry being torn apart to be replicated? Well, now we're talking about the ship's computer again. And well, but see, but that's where my and that's where I'm thinking the difference is. What if you turned on your iPad and your iPad said, no, I'm not going to do this today. It had the choice to say no, thank you. The computer, I don't think, does on the Enterprise. You push a button, it turns on. Yeah. Your iPad right now, you push a button, it turns on. If you pushed a button and it said, no thanks, I'm going to take a break today. That's true. That's true. We would probably toss it away. But but at the same point, if it, so, you, you know, you're interacting with your iPad and you say, like, hey, I'd really like to go to Chinese. No. You know what? You should go for a burger. Today. No. Well, so let me ask you guys. <laughs> is, so is the only reason that you guys are on data side is because he looks like you? He's human. He's a humanoid. Is that the only? Is that what your morality hinges on? I would, I would double down, and I'd say if he looked more human, people would be more on his side. He is yellow. If yeah. he was not yellow, because now spoiler alert: in the later season, we meet his mom, yeah. who his mom we find out had actually died, and she, the dad had transferred her consciousness into an android body. So she's technically an android that looks completely human. So everyone treats her completely. In fact, nobody knows that she's an android at all. They just assume she's a human. Now we're into Blade Runner, too. Yeah. Like, I found it fascinating that in Blade Runner, the test is empathy. And that if you have empathy, you're human. And there were a bunch of humans that failed the empathy test. <laughs> and a best of right. androids that passed it. And I feel like that's another... Are there times when data is more, quote, human than humans are? And I'd say yes. Define humanity. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, that's the question. So if it's empathy, if it's self-sacrifice, if it's honor, nobility, um, like humility, like all of these qualities, I'd say data has a lot of these. Mm -hmm. But can your iPad be empathetic? Not I now. mean, maybe, maybe not right now. But let's even take this 20 years in the future. Or, for example, they have all these counseling things that you can do on the phone or yep. via text. Yep. How, how much longer is it going to take before they just start automating that with AI? And at that point, 
is that AI, it's at least mimicking empathy. Right. You know, and is that enough? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of sociopaths that are totally human that are just merely mimicking right. empathy. Yep. What I think makes this episode and the whole character of Data fascinating is these questions. What does it mean to be human? And that's one thing that people have talked about. Hopefully we'll do an episode on first contact or meeting alien races someday. But is that if we meet an alien race that is not human, now all of a sudden we have to redefine, forget what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be sentient? What does it mean to be a, whatever we would call like a person? Well, we talked about in a previous episode of the podcast, we talked about alien species like the crystalline entity yeah uh that were very much the motives the way of being the way of living and i can only assume the consciousness were very different from anything else that they've experienced it's not like the vulcans are easy to understand right because they are very close to being just like us. Yes. You know, just yes. it's more of a cultural Bipeds difference. And, yep. Even when Spock mind melds with that rock, you know. Yes. That even that <laughs> he can understand the feelings of that rock, you know. It's it's a horta. It's not a rock. It's it's a living It is a living rock. <laughs> One of them becomes an officer on some ship or something. Like <laughs> Which that. is just one of the best parts it of is. Star Trek. But the yeah. but you do have these beings in Star Trek that are very, very different. Yep. And I think that it's great that we explore these. Right. And I think in this episode we see at the very least the Federation considering a different way of being alive. And maybe okay. Data is alive in the same way that the crystalline entity is alive. In a very different way from humans, from Vulcans, from the Gorn. Yeah. I don't know. I really want to do a vote or a poll or whatever mm-hmm. where we ask those three questions. Is Data alive? Is Data sentient? Or is Data uh, should Data be sold into slavery or whatever? Uh, but <laughs> even though I started off the podcast by saying we need to say that this is okay, I can't get there. I can't separate myself from my knowledge of this character and my attachment of this character to a impartial. And part of it is like what you said, Robert. What is it to be human? What is it to be sentient? What is it to be a person? I don't know. I know less than I did an hour and 20 minutes ago. This episode scared me because we're going to have to face some of these questions maybe in our lifetimes. Yeah. And the problem that's scary is right here in our Star Trek echo chamber, like-minded people, I guess we would consider ourselves to be open and progressive or whatever. You would want to come to a decision like this. You'd want the Federation and the Enterprise and humanity just be pragmatic and nice and kind etc etc so it's scary to think when we have this technology in front of us what are the billionaires going to do with this yep when i agree like the corporation or whatever the name is in, in alien they would not come up with the same conclusion no because and that was the one that i i'm i'm really intrigued with that that idea of the cost benefit of who cares if he's sentient who cares if he's a life form what is the value that he could bring? I mean, and that's what the one thing that the article talked about. The Dominion War, hundreds of thousands of lives were lost. Could those have been androids? Would that have mattered less? Well, we, we're well, back but, down to but, Picard's, Picard's argument that a lot of the worst crimes in humanity have been perpetrated on the back of a cost analysis. Yep. Disposable humans is what... Right. Disposable people is what Guinan calls them. Okay, uh, think about this this argument. We talk about the nuclear bombs that we dropped, right? Uh-huh. And the, li- the American lives they saved. But what about the people they killed? Mm-hmm. So you think about the, the them that way. They would have... They could save lives, but they could also take them. Yep. And that's... Yep. And is it just justifying to go like, well, they're not really life forms? Because that was the same thing, right? Like, let's be honest. In the South, they were 
black people were considered three-fifths human, and therefore it's okay for them to be enslaved because they're not really human. So Guinan was right? Is this, is this why we're treating Data as a person? I mean, I still think that that argument essentially nullifies the other two. Right. And that's the, the maybe optimism of the Federation, that we would rather err on the side of a non-life form being protected rather than risk this. Right. And, and I, I, I mean, that's very compelling. It is. I don't it know doesn't it answer answers. the question. It doesn't two. answer anything. No. But it it's, is very compelling. Yeah. And, I mean, we should never disagree with Whoopi Goldberg. That's true. I mean, <laughs> she's... But that's the actress. She didn't write the dialogue, you know. But Guinan seems to know things. And she's been around since Mark Twain. So, right. And before. And before. Deep dives. My apologies, Robert. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, my friends... Thank you, the three of us. I'm thanking myself for being here. Thank you, us. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> yes, thank you, <laughs> thank Greg. You, thank, thank you for you, having Robert. me. Yeah, this was great. We got to record this, as you can probably tell, out in my backyard <laughs> so you can hear dogs and trains and planes and us, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I hope I hope this was as entertaining for you listening as it was for us talking I'm looking forward to our next episode. Oh boy, our next episode, which is gonna land right around Christmas time, my friends. We're diving into religion and Star Trek, which, as you may know, was kind of a no-no with Gene Roddenberry. But then, once he was gone, they took the gloves off with DS9 and beyond. So we'll dip into that next time. All right. So with that said, my friends. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. May the force be with you. You're not coming back, Robert. <laughs>